Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson, and uh, I'm all alone today. Uh, This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining me as I discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Well, as I said, I am all alone today. It's been a, a crazy week, crazy month even. We had, I mean, we, we did our heresy month and it was amazing. We had, you know, probably our second best month ever, uh, right, beh- right behind last year's heresy month. And, you know, we were busy, uh, work was chaotic, and, you know, we just, t- time got away from us. Lucas was a little bit busy with school and some other stuff going on, so we were unable to record an episode together. Thus, you get me. Uh, I'm so sorry if you don't like me. I'm so sorry if you don't like my voice, but you're stuck with me. Although I suppose you could just turn off this podcast right now. But please don't. Please stay, because I think today's topic is important. So, uh, to give you guys just some some background, some some story here, uh, we're 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 going to be reading essentially and talking through very briefly Romans 12, in particular nine through twenty one. Now. Uh, some of this comes from actually a, a sermon that I preached when I was a youth pastor. The date stamp on this is something like uh, t- September of 2018. So, you know, over four years ago now, I delivered part of this sermon. Uh, but I was I was just, you know, scrolling through social media. I was considering some of the conversations that I've had, even with coworkers and friends recently. And I was like, man, we are just living in a world where... It seems like, especially now in a political climate, but like more and more, we are not living the the lives that we ought to be. Um, you know, as professing believers, as as followers of Christ, it seems like we are uh, living pretty hypocritically sometimes. And man, there's a lack of love, a lack of patience, a lack of peace and humility. Um, and so, as I was thinking about those things. I happened to be scrolling through uh, my Google Drive from when I was a youth pastor, and I found some of these messages. And I found this one, which I had titled "Marks of the True Christian." Um, you know, I don't remember the context of when or why I preached this. If it was just random and uh, just felt like it was on my heart at the time, I'm not sure. Um, but if you are following along, if you have a Bible, um, I'm going to be reading from the CSB. Uh, this is this is titled Christian Ethics. Uh, maybe marks of a true Christian is something that the ESV or some other translation said. I, I don't know. But my CSB here says Christian Ethics. And so, you know, this, this passage might seem like a, you know, a jumble of random thoughts, just, you know, that Paul's rattling off. Uh, but as I think we're going to see here, there's actually a cohesive theme. There's a, a purpose. Um, and so we're going to kind of go through each one individually here. Uh, So we'll just read, starting in verse 9, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. I guess it's not really all that surprising that, (laughs) you know, Paul starts this list with a call to love. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. We already know from from elsewhere in scripture that love is one of the greatest commandments. You know, we're we're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love people. Um, And so here, Paul is saying that our love needs to be sincere needs to be genuine, so not hypocritical, not double standard, not uh, conditional even. Um, it's not to be faked or, you know, merely as an external show as though to, you know, some sort of boast or something, you know, um, but it needs to reflect the attitude of our hearts when we love people, especially our brothers and sisters, but when we love people, 
it cannot be hypocritical. Um, you know, so, you know, don't say that you love someone, but go and do something that shows that, that that's not true, right? Um, so continuing on verse 10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters outdo one another in showing honor. Man, this is a, this is a big one. I'll continue even going on to verse 11. Do not lack diligence in zeal, be fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord. So do not lack diligence in zeal. That's a, that's a a mouthful. It sounds kind of like, well, what do you mean? Do not lack diligence in zeal. Um, But it carries this idea that we cannot be lazy in accomplishing what is worthwhile, the things that are worth doing, you know, i.e. loving our our neighbors. Uh, This is something that like takes effort, but we ought to be sincere. Um, You know, we we cannot be, be lazy when it comes to the things that God calls us to do. In this case, Paul says, you know, love one another, let, let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good. Um, And so do this diligently. Do it, do it with all that you can, uh, you know, be fervent in spirit carries this idea that, you know, it, and this is cheesy, but you know, we're, we're quote unquote set on fire. Um, you know, the spirit is the one who creates enthusiasm within us. You know, we're not going to generate it on our own necessarily, but you know, we're, uh, you know, we're impacted by sermons and lessons and people. Um, and part of that is the spirit working in and through them to affect us, to affect our own hearts. Um, and so, yeah, we, when, when we, when we love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, when we have genuine care, consideration, uh, when we recognize the, the value, the worth, the dignity of the person sitting across from us, or, you know, maybe digitally speaking, sitting across on the other side of the screen, um, we ought to love one another deeply, not not some shallow, superficial, on the surface, like, yeah, I love you because, like, you go to my church, but, like, no, a deeply rooted and felt love. And I love this little bit in verse 10 where he says, outdo one another in showing honor. It's almost like this one-upmanship, which which sounds bad maybe on the surface, but, like, outdo one another in, in, in your love for one another. So, you know, someone goes this far for you, go even farther. Then that person reciprocates and reciprocates and reciprocates. And now, you know, I'm not saying you have to give up everything you own necessarily to, to do this, but I think the, the point is clear that, like, when we love one another, when we out, when we, when we seek to do this outdoing one another and showing honor, I think some of those problems that we have, some of those, um, you know, quarrels, Twitter arguments, the fights, whatever it might be, those things sort of like, you know, seem insignificant because it's like, well, you know, I, I, I love you. I care for you. Um, maybe this thing isn't as, as significant as I think it is because like, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to believe you had good intentions or whatever it might be. And I know I'm speaking like super vaguely. I'm I'm just trying to cover the, uh, you know, the vast array of situations that this could be speaking to. Um, before I go on to verse 12 here though, I, I I realized I, I neglected to sort of highlight the context of this passage. Um, but Romans 12 is situated right after Paul has just given like a lengthy, uh, you know, explanation of the faith. He, he's gone on to talk about the Jews, uh, the Gentiles, the, um, you know, the this living sacrifice. And, and he goes to talk about many gifts, but one body. Uh, you know, he talks about how, um, 
uh, let's see, you know, now as, as the body has many parts, they don't all have the same function, but each part has its own function. Um, and he, it's, he says similarly for the church, you know, according to grace, give, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. You know, if prophecy, uh, use it according to the proportion of one's faith, if service, if teaching, if exhorting, if giving, if leading, if showing mercy, all these things, like we all have unique gifts and we ought to use them. And so in using them, in, in, in recognizing that we have differences, yet we're unified. And that's something that Lucas and I talk about all the time. I mean, it's in our intro, seeking unity amongst our diversity. This is it. This is, this is Christian ethics, how we live in light of what God has done for us with one another and with those outside the church. You know, let love be without hypocrisy. So, uh, as I've already said. So, yeah, moving on to verse 12. It says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Rejoicing in hope indicates that, you know, we are to rejoice because of the hope that we now have in Christ. We are also to be patient in our many afflictions, our sufferings. We understand that the Christian life is going to come with trials, difficulties, hard, hard days. And these things aren't necessarily meant to break us, um, but they produce character. They, they produce hope, as Paul says earlier in Romans. Um, the, 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 the way that we live in this world uh, recognizing the sin that is present, recognizing the the brokenness, the the injustice. Of course, there are going to be hard days. You know, cancer is going to befall us. Uh, there's going to be uh, upheaval in different parts of the world. There's going to be any number of things that could go wrong. And instead of some sort of like bleak outlook, part of Paul's call to love one another is this is this recognition of the hope that we have, uh, the, the call to be patient in our afflictions, to be persistent in prayer. And the thing is, we can't do this on our own strength. This isn't something we can just muster and hope that it works. No, this is something that as Christians, when we love one another, when we do these things uh, in fellowship, in community, we are able to do these things. We are then able to rejoice in hope. We can be patient in our affliction, we can be persistent in prayer because we know that the saints have us with them, that, that they love us, that they genuinely care for us. And again, this love it supersedes and transcends political party affiliation, social class, uh, the place that you live, the place that you work, whatever it might be. The church community is, is made up of aliens, is made up of people who are foreigners in their land, who are ambassadors to Christ. And so we ought to cling together so that we can run this race, so that we can live this life faithfully. And Paul continues, he says, share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality, Man, he's getting real practical now. He's talked about love. He's talked about the, the hope that we have, being patient and such. Now he says, share with the saints in their needs. Somebody is hungry, feed them. If somebody is naked, clothe them. If somebody needs help financially, you know, bills, hospital bills, um, even just credit card bills, whatever it might be. Like if someone is truly in need, or maybe you don't know, but but trust that they have those good intentions and and seek to help them. Um, you know, hospitality was really important in biblical times. You have to imagine a world that was different than ours, where we don't have cars, 
where we don't necessarily have the safety of the homes that we have, at least in, in, in the states here. Um, but there, there weren't necessarily many places to stay. And the roads could be very dangerous, depending on how you traveled. Um, and so, you know, w- w- think think of like robbers and thieves and even like pre-street lights and, you know, artificial light. Like if they could carry candles out in the desert, maybe, but otherwise you're just moving by the moonlight. Um, so most people probably chose not to travel at night, uh, you know, for safety reasons, but especially in light of the persecution that existed in the early church the the gospel the gospel call to take this message to the ends of the earth i mean that required travel that required uh maneuvering around perhaps parts of the world that you were unfamiliar with and so paul is saying share with the saints in their needs when people travel to you when they come to see you uh be there for them uh go above and beyond outdo one another in showing showing honor and showing zeal pursue hospitality Pursue taking care of your brothers and sisters. And, you know, as an extension beyond that, pursue these things, even with those who are not part of the body of Christ. If God has indeed blessed you with wealth, you have an obligation. You have a, a, uh, a duty to care for people that are your neighbors. And we've talked about this on air before, but St. Basil of Caesarea um, in his book on social justice, which, you know, maybe to some of you all of a sudden sounds, you know, clickbaity and it triggers you. It shouldn't because the book was written in like the three or four hundreds or whatever. So well before your modern conception of that word. Um, But he talks a lot about how um, the more that you abound in wealth, the more that you lack in love. So the more that your wealth increases, it is evidence it is, it is, you know, if you, if you think about it, if you're in court, that is evidence that you do not love your neighbors. If you are increasingly accumulating wealth and those around you are going hungry, uh, they can't pay their bills. That is evidence that you are not loving them well. And that's part of what Paul is saying here. Share with the saints, pursue hospitality. In verse 14, he goes on to say, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Man, you guys want to like, Put that one in your mind, tuck it away next time you want to get in a Twitter or Facebook argument. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I think it's really easy in our in our politicized, social media, saturated world to be reactionary, to have a, uh, you know, want to have a quick response to everything. We never want to be wrong. Uh, we don't like when people point out our flaws or our faults or whatever it might be. Or maybe it's just someone who's just trying to be a troll and wants to get you going. Like, man, first of all, like, I kind of hope social media goes away. Like, I don't I don't know what the, the fallout of, you know, Elon Musk buying Twitter is going to be. But honestly, like, for our soul's good, <laughs> we need to get rid of social media, truly. I mean, when I log on, I'm, for the most part these days, pretty tame and docile, and that's... Uh, far different from where I was maybe even at the time that we started this podcast, for example. But when I, when I, I, these days I mainly scroll, I talk about music, talk about the Vikings, that's about it. But I see what everyone else is talking about. I see the hate. I see the vitriol. I see the, uh, the way that brothers and sisters demean one another, whether it's people of another denomination, uh, maybe a different church or someone that they think is just completely blasphemous altogether. Like there is a, a true lack of this love on the one hand and on the other, if people do actually persecute you, and I don't think, I don't think anyone's being 
actually persecuted on Twitter. Um, but in the real world, in different parts of the world, I know that we have listeners all over the globe. We can see where you know people are pinging in. There are people that I'm sure are, are actually being persecuted. And that's a difficult thing. That's a hard thing. I mean, like truly, I, I my heart goes out to you if that's you. Um, and so I, I, I do, I pray for you. And if, if, if you do find yourself in the midst of genuine persecution, like <laughs> recognize that we have come under heavy persecution throughout our history. The church has faced many hardships, crucifixions, burnings, drownings, whatever it might be, but especially for these people living in Rome, this was the case. Many Christians were beaten, tortured, even murdered for their faith. So, you know, it would have been easy to want to fight back. It would have been easy to want to flee. But Paul commands them to 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 bless them. It's almost like completely contrary to your natural disposition. Bless them. Um, you know, bless and do not curse. That might be one of the hardest things to do in this entire, in this entire passage here. Um, he goes on in verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This is a, a, a recognition that we, we can see the good things that happen and we can see the bad things that happen. And we, we join with our brothers and sisters in their rejoicing or in their weeping. You know, so when a friend, you know, is celebrating a, a, a new job that they finally got or uh, the birth of a child after many hard years of infertility uh, or perhaps the passing of a loved one. Like whatever the context is, Paul is urging believers to identify with other people, especially our brothers and sisters. We should be willing to genuinely rejoice when things go well for others. Um, you know, a selfish and sinful reaction is to be jealous of the good that others experience. Um, and so when you think about it, like, honestly, how often do you feel that way? How often do you feel jealous of what someone else has done or some situation uh, when something's happened to them and not to you? Um, but we ought to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Uh, continuing on verses 16 and 17, live in harmony with one another. I think I need to say that like very slowly again, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone for evil and give careful thought to what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Like, I want all of you to tattoo this on your eyelids. Next time you go to tweet, think of verses 16 and 17. Live in harmony with one another. Brothers and sisters, live in harmony. We have a, a unity in Christ that, that is far and away above any superficial thing on this world. And at the end of verse 17, give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. That's not to say you have to, to compromise. That's not to say that you have to, uh, you know, stoop to certain levels. What I'm saying is like at a, at a core, at your, at your very being, this ought to be your disposition, that you're seeking to live in harmony with one another and that you give careful thought to what you do. Give careful thought to what you tweet, to what you say, to what you put out into the world. You know, it, it might seem silly because, oh, it's just a tweet. It's just a tweet. Well, your Twitter feed is going to be evidence against you one day. As you stand before the king of the universe, he's going he's gonna to have your Twitter feed. He doesn't, even need, he doesn't have to have some other book. You can just pull up his iPhone. And I don't mean to be blasphemous or anything. But, like, seriously, our Twitter feeds are going to be evidence against us one day. So tweet wisely. Tweet well. Give careful thought 
to tweet what is honorable in everyone's eyes, not just brothers and sisters, but everyone's eyes. Now, the rest of this passage is dealing specifically with our love and relationship towards non-believers, those who are not Christians. How are we to act towards those who are not part of the faith community? As I've already said, a lot of this applies to both Christians and non-Christians, but this especially goes deeper. Uh, Verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Man, if possible, and Paul recognizes it's probably not. There are situations where it is not possible uh, to be at peace with everybody. You know, an abusive spouse who leaves. I think it's perfectly reasonable and okay to not necessarily be at peace with them. Um, You can distance yourself from them. You can remove yourself from that situation uh, and seek safety and shelter and healing and and never have to go back to them, right? Um, But it's these superficial things, these these Twitter arguments, these, these beefs between friends. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And man, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. There's nothing in here about, you know, bashing on your trolls or winning and dunking on your enemies or something. No, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. To go back to what Basil of Caesarea said, man, the more you abound in wealth, the more you lack in love. So especially if you have wealth, if your enemy is hungry, if the person who is outside the faith community is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If he needs clothing, if he needs shelter, show the love and the care of the Lord, right? And man, I recognize that these are these are difficult things to do. These are this is not necessarily our natural disposition, but in a world that's always watching, people see your tweets whether you realize it or not. People see what you're tweeting. People excuse me, people see the way that we behave in person and online, and we ought to do everything we can to honor one another, to thus, in doing so, honor Christ, and to show a watching world what it means to genuinely love someone else, to care for them. And just to give you, man, an example of this, um, I'm sure you guys have seen these things rolling around the interwebs, but these these messages, uh, uh, very hateful messages about Jewish people, you know, in particular, apparently in, in downtown Jacksonville, there was like a message on the side of a building that said Kanye was right about the Jews. Um, and man, like, I, I okay, so it, at Moody, when I went to Moody, I, I, I wrote a paper and this was for a, a Holocaust class that was taught by the child of a Holocaust survivor, two Holocaust survivors. And Dr. Radelnik um, one of the most powerful classes I've ever taken. The, the final project was to write a paper, and I chose to write about theologians under Hitler. Now, these were not necessarily like theologians that were living and doing things with Hitler, but it was, it was theologians and pastors, seminarians, who in the midst of Nazi Germany were supportive 
and that's putting it mildly, some were exceedingly supportive of, of Hitler and his, his programs, his regimes, his, his beliefs. And man, to what, at what expense? Um, how many people died because Christians went along with this? How, how many souls were lost? How battered was our witness? Because we chose to care more about self these people, um, I'm trying to remember their names here. I have a, I, I printed the paper, but it's 11 pages. I'm not just going to read it. Um, but Gerhard Kittel, Paul Althaus, and Emanuel Hirsch. These three are the people I wrote about. But like Gerhard Kittel was a member of the Nazi party. He cared about what he called the Volk, the folk, uh, the, the, my type of people, my type of German wanting to get back, you know, after World War One and all the, the devastation, like there was a, a deep, deeply seated, um, uh, identity issue that many Germans had, and they saw what Hitler was doing as a a getting back to our roots. Man, does any of this sound familiar? I'm not saying that we're you know on our way to the next Holocaust or anything, but the the vibrations are similar. The 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 theme is there. And Gerhard Kittel, he he wanted to see a, a German people who were proud German people, and he saw the Jews as as getting in the way of that as problematic as being part of what led to Germany being where they were. They saw the, the Jewish people as backstabbers. And man, to, to see, this was, this, my, my grandparents were alive when Hitler was alive. Like, put, get that into your heads, guys. Like, this, this is real history, not 2,000 years ago. We're talking less than 100 years ago. These things were happening. And it seems like we're getting, we're inching closer and closer to the same type of thing. And, you know, this, this guy tweeted, not going to lie, as a Jew, this is starting to feel quite scary. You sort of get how MAGA operates quite similarly to Nazi Germany. Spread messages, build and build hate, spew conspiracies, have people shrug it off, then suddenly it's mainstream and present. And man, Christians, brothers and sisters, if you're out there in whatever part of the world, but especially in the United States right now, I want you to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are right now, read Romans 12, all of it, read all of Romans 12, but specifically nine through 21. This is the marks. This is what it means to be a real believer, a true Christian. This is Christian ethics, meaning this is what it means to live as a Christian in the world. And man, I know for me, when I delivered this sermon, I remember giving it in a similar cadence with a a similar urgency, with a similar um, burden on my heart because I looked out at my my students, I, I thought about their world and my world, and now I'm thinking about my current context where I live and work and do things, and I look out at social media, and I'm fearful for the future. I'm fearful for our witness as believers. So forsake politics, forsake uh, one-upsmanship. I want you to, to, to let love be without hypocrisy. Um, I, want, I want you to cling to what is good. And, you know, just to close, I feel like maybe it's appropriate to just like reread this in full instead of in the segmented way I read it. Um, starting in verse 9, Romans 12, let love be without hypocrisy detest evil and cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. 
Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs and pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, instead associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation and do not repay evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Man, that is my my challenge to you guys, is to live at peace with everyone. And I recognize that's difficult, especially some days, but to live at peace with your spouse, with your parents, with your friends, with your pastor, with your boss, with your annoying coworker, whoever it might be, live at peace. Love them truly, not hypocritically, not superficially, but love people. And that love will overflow and pour out and the world will begin to recognize and truly change. They won't see us as this, this crazy group of people who is obsessed with power and, and uh, politics, but we're a people that are gentle and lowly, like our Savior is gentle and lowly. But Man, I, I apologize again that you just had to hear me ramble for, you know, half an hour, but I hope that it meant something. I hope that it uh, perhaps convicted you and challenged you. Um, I just, I want to say thank you for making it this far, for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. Thank you for making uh, Heresy Month 2022 an awesome month. We really enjoyed it. We have some really exciting episodes coming up too. I'm really excited to get into, into those with Lucas. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast, or you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, send us your questions and episode ideas, whatever it is. Remember, be nice and be nice seen. I say that often, but do it. Like, be nice to people and be nice seen. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, we, we love you guys. We care about you. Let us know how you're doing. We'll see you next time.